0: Hi
1: folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. And this is a listener feedback show. That means we're going to be going through uh, your questions, comments, and things like that to me. Here's what we got today. I got a question on how to handle criticism. And I got a quote of the day that goes right in with that question. And uh, this is criticism when being in the public light. The person that asked the question is building an online presence, uh, doing some video work and things like that, and wondering, you know, like, does success mean that you're going to have to deal with assets? And the answer is yes. And I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't really give two, two, two Fs uh, otherwise, like not even two fiddler's Fs, right? <laughs> uh, I have a question on water storage and how it might be used as a form of supplemental geothermal heating type thing by putting it under the greenhouse. I don't really know, but I'll throw out some ideas on this one. I have a question that basically is, are we going to return to groups like the Guardian Angels from New York City in the late eight, in, the, in the 80s? Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that and tell you why we might. Why we might. And why it might actually be the only valid solution we have to the crazy bullshit that's going on in the cities throughout the United States of America. Um, I have a question on dealing with ants in raised beds or wicking beds. This is something I deal with all the time. It's a difficult situation to be in. Um, There is a remedy to ants specifically. And when anybody tells me about ants, they don't have to tell me that. Uh, you know, 90, unless it's like carpenter ants or something in in the wood of their home. Uh, if somebody's actually concerned about ants, we're talking about fire ants is is 90% of the time. Or in South Texas and even up here now, maybe crazy raspberry ants is another species. Almost all the rest of the ants don't cause any trouble. Um, the government's spending $3 billion on something. $3 billion. When I tell you what it is, you'll be like, really? Um, and I'm going to tell you why it's really peanuts in some ways as to what all of this shit has really cost us. Yes, it's related to COVID. Um, A cool way to store fuel and never even worry about short or midterm shortages ever again, really. I don't think this will work for everybody. It will work for some. Great suggestion by a listener here. Uh, Do I ever feel a long trail hike calling me back like I did in 93 when I got out of the Army? So those that may be newer to the show uh, have never heard this story. But when I got out of the Army in 1993, I didn't fit back into society. And I didn't deal with a bunch of combat or anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I went from mission and order to no mission and disorder. I was a very angry person. I couldn't stand in line at a store without wanting to smash somebody's face in with the stuff I was holding because they were doing it wrong. And I realized, like, that's, that's, that's your problem. It's not theirs. And honestly, three months on a trail fixed me. And the question is, do I ever want to go back to that? The answer is actually no. And I'll tell you why. It has to do with aging and not capability in relation to aging. But as you age, the things that you would do with such time change. And I'll tell you what I would do if I was going to take that kind of time in my life again. Um, Then a question like a supply chain question. Will firearms, ammo, and components ever stabilize again in the market? And I'll tell you some new things that I've heard about short supply shortages and things like that as well with this. Um, We'll get into all of that in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is JM Bullion. JM Bullion is where I think if you're buying silver and gold today online, you should buy it. Period. End of story. Nowhere else, really, guys. Uh, If you're buying like Silver Eagles, Gold Eagles, anything like that, like common metal. Uh, common precious metals i can 't see buying anywhere else and i 'll tell you why first they sponsor the show and have for over eight years, so they support the the, the show that you love number two if there 's a problem and there just hasn 't been in like ever. But if there is, I still have the personal email address of the president of the company. I can do something about it. Number three, if you're an MSB member, they give you a discount on purchases over $300. No one in the precious metal industry really does that, especially a repeatable discount. You can do that once a month. And if you spend more than that, you can get even a bigger discount in a world where margins are thin. Next, everything ships free. So why would you buy your silver and gold anywhere else? About the only way I could see this is if you're buying, like, newsmatics, collectibles and things like that, or if you're buying from, like, a local shop, you're supporting, you're walking, and you're paying cash. If you're buying online, get it from J.M. Bullion, because I forgot one more thing. On top of all that, all orders ship free. Yeah, really? Now, there's a minimum order size, but I don't think it's going to be a problem. Check them out, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Jambullion.com. Next up today, bulk ammo, the other precious metal. Copper jacketed lead. We've got a question today about ammo supplies, gun supplies, etc. Bulk ammo still has a pretty good supply on most things. Check them out today at BulkAmmo.com. And remember, they do have a discount for MSB members as well. All right, with that, let's start off with a listener question. Then I'm going to give you the quote of the day. And I'm just going to kind of summarize the listener's question. Basically, he says, you know, I, I was hanging out in a Telegram chat that you were helping people in yesterday. And people just were, like, shitting on you. Because you were being a realist. And I imagine this kind of happens in a lot of other places as well. And this guy is just starting out with building some online content, wants to basically build a content-based business. And he's like, I would have a real problem with this, especially people that you're trying to help or when you're trying to help people, other people being like this. Like, how do you deal with it? And the answer is, if you're going to be in this space, it's going to happen. And you're going to be, if you're going to make a difference, in an no-win situation with hoping that you make everybody happy. right? Uh, my quote today is by Albert Hubbard, and this is what he said about criticism. He said, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. If you're going to say something that's important, if you're going to do anything that's important, and if you're going to be somebody that matters, you're going to be shit on. And think about the more famous... The more successful, the more impactful any individual is, the more people hate them. Because people don't like disruption. People don't like anything that conflicts with their narrative. Let's look at look at cryptocurrency, for example. There is no winning position in cryptocurrency as a personality. right? If you're a Bitcoin maximalist, somebody that just says, I am all in on Bitcoin, that's all I want to touch, I don't want to do anything else, you're an idiot, according to some people in the market. If you are an anti-Bitcoin person who only believes in a specific class of altcoins, let's say privacy coins, then you're an idiot to a big portion of the market. If you're someone that's more into the concept of, hey, look, what we need to be doing is more of these like proof-of-stake concepts, it's more eco-friendly, it's faster, then you're an idiot as far as a huge segment of the market will concern themselves. And if you're like, you know, all of these things can be interoperable. There's a place for all of these different things. Not all of them are going to succeed, but some of them will from each segment and area. You're going to be an idiot to a significant portion of that market because it conflicts with their narrative, the thing that they've sold themselves on, and they don't want anybody telling them that they might be wrong. And it doesn't matter where you go or what you do. You put out a video on gardening. And you're an idiot because you didn't do this other particular technique. Like, There is a point where you realize that criticism in the world of content creation comes in two forms. It comes in the form of constructive criticism, and it comes in the form of bitter little bitches. Constructive criticism would be something like, you know, the light was really bad in that shot, and maybe you could do something, or you move the camera too much. Constructive criticism might be, hey, when you, here's an example of constructive criticism that shaped the show till today. Hey, Jack, when you start out, of, this is something I got very early on, maybe a couple months into doing a show. This is back in 2008. When you, when you start the show, like, I really don't know what episode I'm listening to, what day of the week it is. Like, is it an older show? Is it a newer show? You know, um, could you say, like, the episode number and the date and the day of the week? So that as I'm, like, getting these things in my podcatcher, because that's how old this was, I know. And that was, like, you know what, that's a, that's a totally valid point. That's a great way to open the show. So let's do that. And I started doing that in, like, August? Of 2008, we're still doing it today, because that, that criticism was constructive. If someone that is running a podcast reaches out to me and says, "Hey, I've been running a podcast for five years, blah 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 blah, and I've learned that fill in the blank is useful or helpful, or maybe you should consider this," I might not do it, but I'm going to consider it because this is a podcaster who's successful, so they know something about podcasting. When I've had people say things like, "Hey, there's like fizzle or pop or something in your audio," I'm not trying to be an audio snob. I'm never going to be. I'm never going to have super high-quality audio that's like, this is CNN. None of that shit, right? Like, I, I have limits to what I can do, but I don't want hisses, pops, lags. So I've always tried to, like, figure out why that happened and fix it. When I get somebody like, I can't believe that you have your grandkids making noise in the background while you're recording. Delete. Right? I don't care. Because I don't have, I can't make that not happen. And this is the real world. And if you don't like it, don't listen, right? Um, and I think that's how you have to take everything with this. Like, is the and and when you get like vitriol and hatred and 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 just running off of the mouth, basically diarrhea of the mouth from somebody who you know has never done the square root of f all in the world has never mattered. You can't worry about that. You can't worry about that. And again, I just will say. Tell me someone who's well-known that doesn't have people that talk shit about them. Name one person. One person who's famous and no one talks shit about them. If you go out, you can take people that are considered heroes in history, and I guarantee you, you can find people talking shit about them. People that have been dead for 100 years and people are talking shit about them still today. I'm sure somebody's talking shit about Shakespeare. Right? And I'm not equating myself. I'm just saying, like, if, if, if they're going to talk shit about Shakespeare or Da Vinci, or the other day I was doing a video and I mentioned my, uh, my wife's grandfather had received the Medal of Freedom from Dwight Eisenhower. And somebody felt the need in that video, which was not about Dwight Eisenhower at all, it was just an aside, to, to post a comment Eisenhower's a war criminal. Just GTFO, right? I mean, really? Like, you're an idiot. And that is that is the key to this. When you're dealing with people like that, you write them off and you go on and do what you do. And what you'll find is the more you try to help people, the more you reach out to people, the more that you're honest with people, the more that will happen. So when you're getting it, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Anyway, that's if you're going to do this business, whether it's podcasting, video, blogging, if you're going to have any level of success... You're not shit until people hate you. I mean, bluntly, you're nobody until somebody talks shit about you. And that's God's honest truth. Having done this now for 13 years, made my living And I guess that's my other thing, right? So when I have somebody talking shit to me and I'm like, you know what, dumbass? I've been living my dream for, you know, I've been doing the show 13 years, but I've been full time with the show almost 12 years now. And for 12 years, I've done this every day of my life. I've lived my life on my own terms. And, and you probably have like some shitty job, like cleaning hamster cages out at the pet shop. So your opinion is not really valid. Nor does it matter. And I mean, that's it's just an easy thing. Like success is the ultimate shield against criticism. The more successful you are, the less you care about people that don't like you, because it doesn't matter. And my final, final thought on that is, those aren't the people you serve. Those aren't the people I serve. Someone told me, your podcast is an echo chamber. Only people agree you listen to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably the case of just about everybody in broadcasting. But I guess there are people who are kind of like special children the particularly fun people they hate and listen to them. I have some of those. But they're the minority. Like, in general, if people don't like content, they don't consume it. So, again, you're dealing with somebody with an IQ somewhere in the, like, upper 80s, maybe lower 90s at best. That's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with people that are are doing this. They're bitter. They're angry. They're small. They're not worth worrying about. Um, Grow a thick skin. Grow a thick skin. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Um, The more you get of it, the more you're helping people. The more you're disrupting, the more you're mattering. Uh, that, next up, I got a question. This is a weird one, um, but it's not. It's just, it's different. I like different because, well, you know, that means, that means we're covering something new. And I'm not really sure. This might be something that somebody else can help with a little bit. Matt, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark, said, Jack, I was wondering about what kind of water system st- storage system would be best. I'd like to add an in-ground storage tank. The tank being used under a greenhouse would also use, make it a solar heat sink. So you could pump heat into the storage tank from solar collectors and then at night water could be pumped through beds or jacketed tanks for heat. Would one of the poly tanks stand up to this kind of use? Would pouring concrete tank be a better idea? Thanks, Mark. I'm going to say I've never buried a poly tank and so here's what i'm going to say there are corrugated poly tanks that can be buried and you wouldn't have a problem with it when you say would one of the poly tanks the first thing that shot into my head when you said that is the big black ones you find at like tractor supply or atwoods or places like that the ones that are typically set up you know under a rain spout for for catchment off of a roof or something like that my instinct is those are no bueno for going underground. Um, maybe they are, but I don't think they're designed for it. And if you're going to put the pressure of the earth on something, then I do believe you should use something made for that purpose. So I'm thinking of even, I've seen poly tanks that are really for fuel storage that would probably work great for water storage. And I don't know a lot about that. I've not done any research on in ground water storage tanks. And anybody that's listened to the show for any length of time knows why, because I, I would literally need dynamite and like giant excavators with giant, you know, rock hammer attachments on them to get anything in the ground here. So I, I'm, I'm sitting on a limestone shelf, basically. So I haven't dug into this much, but I've watched enough like off grid videos and stuff like that that I've seen water tanks that were poly and hence lightweight, easy to transport, easy to deliver, easy to work with until they're full, designed to go in the ground. So you can do either one. My gut is there's no reason not to use poly for this. Just you have to use the right one. How well will it work? I don't know. I don't know. I think that if you you did it right, you could basically, what you would want to do is you'd want to dig... The hole obviously before you you would create the greenhouse, and then you'd want to insulate that that the sidewalls etc of the hole, and you'd probably want to use some geothermal technology beyond the water itself. So a typical so what you're doing then is you're building a typical geothermal greenhouse, but you're adding the water tank, and then the question becomes: Does that make sense? And I, I don't know. You also might want to experiment with what's known as heat lenses. So there is a video that I featured where Jeff Lawton visited a geothermal greenhouse up in Canada uh, quite a few years ago. And they insulated not just the sides of the hole. So they basically they dig a, you dig a, 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 a hole about the size or a little bit larger than the footprint of the greenhouse. And you have straight walls, you know, it's a square, rectangle, whatever the shape of your greenhouse is going to be. And then you take foam board insulation, you put it against the walls. And that way you don't lose heat out to the surrounding earth as quickly. These people, what they did, they also did insulation just under the surface. So you have your walls insulated, and then as you're filling things in, you lay down foam board insulation... It's also trapping the heat in the ground from coming up, and you leave a certain place up, and that's where the heat primarily releases. And if I remember that video right, is toward the center of the greenhouse, and it creates what's known as a heat lens, and it does a great job. I guess my question would be, if you went and did all that shit, do you really need to put the water tank in there? Because obviously if we bury the water tank deep enough in the ground anyway, it's not going to freeze. And it's going to maintain constant temperature of the earth. If we had it in the greenhouse, in theory, it should you should have warmer earth and hence warmer water, which in the winter would be a good thing. And it does seem to me that then we could do something like create some kind of water jackets around everything and then circulate the water through them at night. And that would even add more of a thermal gain to the greenhouse at night and keep it above, you know, keep it above the external temperature. I'm not going to say above freezing because any of these technologies have a given amount of rise that they can create, right? So, you know, I've, I've talked to air conditioning techs that are like, people are like, I don't understand why I can't get my house down to 70 degrees. And they're like, well, you know, your house isn't that well insulated and it's 115 degrees, Your air air conditioner is not something that can go to whatever temperature you want. It has a a limit to how much it can drop the temperature uh, down versus the external temperature. And so I think that any type of technology like this, you can't guarantee, depending on how cold the climate is and everything else, that you can stay above freezing, but you can figure out a gain, maybe 20 degrees, 30 degrees above the ambient on the outside. So... I, I guess my question then for anybody out there that maybe wants to think about this, and this did come as an expert counsel question, but I really don't know that I have an expert counsel person to send it to. Um, I've never heard Jeff Lawton talk about anything like this. Sean Mills, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'll pitch this out and see what they think. But I'm just wondering, maybe the broader audience, would it even be necessary or beneficial? And intuitively, you would say yes. But the reality is the way a geothermal greenhouse works is it, it's basically building up the ground temperature like a battery all through the summer and slowly removing it in your winter because you're only going to get so much gain in it during the day in your shorter days of winter so you're kind of drawing from this battery over a long haul and you when you when you watch the video that i've linked to you'll see the guy say that like toward the end of the winter It's like the battery's kind of done, but then the heat comes back. right? So I I think this is one of these things. Could you do it? Yes. Does it make sense? I don't know. And I'd love to hear from some of y'all what you think about it. Um, Next up, John sent me an email, and he said, Do you think we'll see more neighborhood patrols as crime increases in the cities? Isn't this reminiscent of New York about 30 years ago? And there's a link to a video that's on Facebook. I have it in the show notes. It's basically a group of people that they're handing out pamphlets, they're doing education. And this is being from the angle right now of there's more crimes against Asian people. And it's really being targeted toward the Asian community. And they even have things like, if you need to go somewhere and you don't feel safe about it, you can contact us and we'll have people escort you and what have you. And I I personally feel this entire... Thing that Asian people are being targeted is being way overplayed. I think what you have is you have a, a society that, due to our stupidity, our asinine wokeness, right? All this shit and de- you know basically defunding police and everything else that goes with it, allowing riots to go with nobody shutting it down. People burn down buildings and the cops stand there and watch it, not because they want to, because they have to. And people defending themselves resulting in the person defending themselves being the one who's prosecuted. Think about the couple in Missouri who they lived in a gated community. They did everything they could to get the cops to come and protect their property, and they wouldn't. They tried to get private security to come, and they wouldn't. And people tore down the gate, came onto their property, were threatening to to, to basically riot and destroy their home, and the husband and wife came out with firearms and pointed them at the crowd and basically said, we're defending our home. You, you try to take my house from me or destroy my property, you're going to get shot. And it worked, and now they're being prosecuted. Now, I don't think that's going to work, but that's that's asinine. And this has resulted in more crime, and specifically crime... i got to clarify this. My position is no victim, no crime. So, Bill using coke and then, you know, I don't know, tweaking out in his house all night long, Tom buying some bootleg whiskey from Fred, like all that shit, like, that's not a crime in my opinion, but when I'm talking about crime here and I'm using the word here, I'm referring to criminal code, the the state considers it a crime, but victim-based crimes, violent crimes are way up, and... You know, if, especially when you're in an area that has a high percentage of Asians in the population, they're going to be victims of it. And this video makes that case. That It's against everybody, but they're kind of in this one area right now. Um, so I want to take that out of it. I want to take the whole we're protecting the Asian community out. I want to just put citizens protecting citizens. That's how I want to come come at this one. And yes, a lot of you guys are younger because right? the older I get, the more younger people than me there are in the audience and then you're young, right? You're like my kid's 30 years old, right? Um, so when I tell someone tell you tell me they're 30, I'm like, okay, you're a kid. And when I was 30, I didn't think of 30 being a kid. So that, that's just old man brain is what th- what I call it. So I think even more than 30 years ago. Yeah, you looking at 35 years ago when this was at its height, 35, 40 years ago, 1980 through the mid 80s. The organization most well known in New York City at the time was known as the Guardian Angels. And they wore these red berets and they walked around and they basically didn't let people be victims whenever they could intervene in any way, shape, or form. You know, and if you got four or five big dudes walking around and, you know, you think you can pull some shit with some frail woman on a subway train or something like that. And all of a sudden, these four dudes are like, we will throw your ass off the train while it's still moving. It it, it doesn't always work, but it it works better than nothing, right? It it starts to have an impact. We're in a place now, though, where I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with things like this because we are prosecuting the people doing the right thing. We're prosecuting people for defending themselves. We're prosecuting people for defending others. Like like literally, we're living in some sort of dystopian shithole. In these, and it's it is centered on these shithole cities. It is Los Angeles. It is San Francisco. It is Portland. It is New York. Right. It's all these these giant cities run by liberals. And uh, you know, I hate even putting it that way. Because you know me, I'm not jack jack conservative here, right? I'm not the guy that's like, the Republicans are right, all we need is new people in government. I think that's all bullshit. But when it comes down to it, I can hate both political parties, but I can hate one more. And liberals literally ruin everything they touch Everything they touch. I was listening to somebody recently, a commentator, talk about how, you know, sports is the place where we all come together and we all high five and we commiserate and we celebrate. And I'm like, not anymore. Not anymore. Like, I don't want anything to do with sports anymore. I didn't give a shit about kneeling during the anthem. I didn't care about that. when we, They went woke. Like, I can't just pretend it's not going on anymore. I can't support you people. I'm not mad. I'm just done. I, I, people know me from the show, you guys know, I'm like, I was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Now I don't give the square root of F all about the NFL, period. I don't care. I don't even, I'm not even mad, I just, I try, Yeah, I don't care. I get my, I have my, I saw my Steelers app on my phone, right, and during the season, like, they were winning a lot of games this year, and I'd be like, oh, they won. I have no joy. I don't care. I don't care, like, like, so... We've got into this state where these cities are being ruined by this. And now that they're ruined, they want to go out and and prosecute the people saying enough is enough. On the other hand, these type of groups might be the way to actually fight back. Because if you know anything about the Guardian Angels, you know, like, these were guys that, like, very seldom did they bust anybody's head in, but if they had to, they would have. That was kind of their, their modus operandi, like... You know, we're just kind of suggesting that maybe you don't do this. Maybe you go somewhere else, you leave this person alone, but they were people that had, you know, they knew how to look after themselves, they knew how to handle themselves, they had procedures and like you you didn't have one walking around by himself. They they traveled in groups and they kept communications between groups, so there might be a pair or a trio here and a pair or a trio there and when they needed to converge they converged. The power in this is that in general, when the cops finally show up to do their effing job, and again, it's not always because they don't want to. It's the people in power keeping them from doing their job. And there's four or five guys saying, hey, here's what happened. And there's one or two saying, this is this is a lie. They tend to side with the, the majority in most instances, especially if there's also a victim that was being defended. And now you have the power of numbers. You also get into a situation where, If you want to do this by yourself, you try to go vigilante, like Marvel superhero type or something like that, in the real world where you don't have superpowers, about the only way you're going to be effective with this is, number one, I guess you could be like some super physical badass, which always has its limits, and you can always be outnumbered, or you're going around with a gun popping people in the head like some kind of uh, loose cannon or whatever, or you're relying on weaponry in some way. And this is inevitably going to result in you being incarcerated. Whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about right and wrong here. I'm talking about reality. So I think that strength in numbers is kind of how this happens. And I don't know. I see this as a logical return to something that that happened before. This is a cycle. When I started working in New York City, I was a regional sales VP for the Northeast region for a company called Fluke. And that was right around 2000 that that I was doing that, and I was kind of blown away because I remember the New York City that was on my TV growing up as a kid in the 70s and 80s, and I remember you know movies like Escape from New York and stuff like that, and the whole even if you think about comedies from the 80s like uh, Crocodile Dundee for Pete's sake, and the way New York was depicted, and I expected when I started having to go into as they you know the city to deal with shit like that, and I didn't. Honestly, during that period of time, I traveled all over New York City. I had you know, customers and sales reps all over the city and the surrounding boroughs, etc. And I'm sure there were bad areas, but I never went anywhere where I genuinely felt threatened or at risk. I was able to take trains. I was able to take cabs. I was able to walk between blocks. I was able to meet sales rep here and sales rep there and client here and client there. And it was nothing like what I expected. And that was because they took a hard line on crime and they cleaned the damn city up. I don't agree with every way it was done, but it was done. Like, I remember asking, like, first couple times I was there asking my sales rep, like, where's all this stuff? They're like ah, oh, they, you know, Giuliani cleaned up the city, and I'd be like, well, where'd they all go? And they're like, we well, don't know. That was an interesting thing too. Like nobody, they, at first they were like, well, what do you want it back? I'm like, no, I'm just saying like, bad people don't just leave, they don't just go away. Like where'd they go? And you'd see they kind of like, well, I don't know. And basically the people were still there, they just weren't causing as much shit because people act in their own self interest. That's where you get to where we're going today with kind of, I guess, like Guardian Angels 2.0 in that since people act in their own interest, the scum will become more violent when there's less likelihood that they'll suffer for it. However, the other side of it is if you keep victimizing people long enough, eventually they'll organize and say enough of this shit. The last part of it that's kind of scary is these people want a freaking... They want a race war, they want a class war, they want a civil war, they want as much bloodshed as they can get. They want to destroy this country. I've been telling you guys that forever, that they want to destroy this country. I was telling you guys that back in 2008, 2009, and some of you thought I was nuts back then. That the goal was the destruction of everything that is good in this country. And that is the goal. It It is, it is mind-numbingly stupid... These are the same people that are telling us why we should let all these people into our country. And it's like they never pause for a second to ask themselves, why do these people want to come here? Because they don't care. They don't care why they want to come here. They care that they can use it to advance their own agenda. That's all they care about. Every politician ever, that's all they care about. Every person that is seeking social change, that's all those people care about. All they care about is advancing their agenda. And that, that's independent of the agenda being a good agenda, a bad agenda. It doesn't matter. right? People that want to advance a positive agenda, they, they're the same way. They get tunnel vision on it. So, yeah, we're headed there. And I think you'll see things like this in most major cities. Most major Any city where the, the people in power, the authority stops protecting the people, the people will organize to protect themselves. And you'll get everything from things that are very well intended and quite useful and effective, which the Guardian Angels back in the 80s were. They were incredibly effective. And it got to the point where it wasn't even that they, you know, there was one or two or three of them over there. It's that if you start some shit, they could be around right now and you don't know it. You at least had to look over your shoulder before you started victimizing somebody. And it worked for, it didn't fix everything, right? Nothing ever fixes everything. That utopian world is one that only statists believe in, right? It didn't fix everything, but it made the situation better. You, you can also see where this would become something that will empower organized crime in the form of gangs, where gangs start thinking, you know what? Yeah, it's great that we can get away with selling all our dope right now, but hey, we act in our own self-interest. If this whole place is destroyed, I don't have everybody to sell any dope to. Then you start getting into protection money, 1920s mob style. I mean, all of this shit is going to come back. All of it's going to come back in various ways, and you might have it work fairly well in one place and really badly in another. And we just don't know. And it's why I'm back to get the hell out of these cities. These cities, they tax you. They don't protect you. Why should you give them your time and your talent? Why should you invest your blood and treasure in any of these places right now? I would tell anybody out there that's a cop. If you're a cop in Chicago, if you're a cop in New York City, if you're a cop in Seattle, if you're a cop in Portland, if there is any way you can, effing quit. Leave. Leave. Go somewhere else. Find a job working for a sheriff's department or something where you can actually focus on protecting people. Find a place where you can spend your time not worried about shaking people down, road pirating them and all the shit that they have you guys doing. I, I, I have kind of mixed emotions on my feelings about law enforcement. But when I look at Tarrant County Sheriff's Department here, I can't say these people have ever done anything other than make my life better. And I'm hard on cops. You guys know that. But all I can say is I don't see these guys writing tickets. I don't see them committing road piracy. I don't see them causing any trouble. What I see them doing, and it's because I think they have enough to do this and they don't have enough resources to do more, is making sure when somebody's stealing shit, they get arrested. You know what? And I I agree that if we had a stateless society, if we had something more anarcho, we could come up with a way to protect people's property that would work really well. But we don't have that. And if you're going to have law enforcement, that's what they should be doing. They should be worried about putting people in freaking prison who steal people's stuff or hurt people. And if I was a cop in any of these cities right now, I'd have quit yesterday. And that's what they deserve, by the way. That's what they deserve. They deserve you guys to turn your back like freaking Klingons, discommodation, and walk away. I'm done with you. And I know that's hard because people that grew... A lot of these guys that are cops in these towns, they grew up there. That's why they became a cop. They wanted to make people's lives better. But you're not. You're not making people's lives better. Maybe you can salvage that career. Go somewhere where you can. Go somewhere where rights are are are, are valued. And I know that might be hard right now. Because there are probably a lot of people in law enforcement that are doing this, and that probably makes the places that you'd really want to go be a cop harder to get a job at. Anything worth doing is going to be hard. I also think there's going to be a place soon. We almost need, like, a black water for the common man. And I know like that's going to trigger people, so let me explain what I mean. I'm just using an analogy. So when you need... Basically, military force, where you don't have military troops, you hire a mercenary security firm like a Blackwater, and you, you, you use them. Okay, so when you don't have law enforcement that is sufficient within a community to protect it, then I think you, you, you maybe you need to have more of these like private security firms that a neighborhood can get together and say, well, how many officers do we want patrolling, and what does that cost us? And do we need them all the time? Maybe you don't need them all the time. Maybe you need them at certain times. So then you have like citizens patrols, neighborhood watches, private security, etc. All working in consort. Maybe that's a bridge to get where we need to go. Just some thoughts. Next up, Elijah says, should I try to get rid of ants in a raised bed? And if so, how? Details. When I took a tarp off my raised beds... Um, it was full of little black ants. Should I try to eliminate them before planting? Is it even possible? Ignore and or an in-between approach. I've sprinkled the ground with cinnamon over the whole bed, poured a few pots of water, boiling water into it. Basically, will these little creatures kill off my plants or attract so many harmful uh, pests to harm my gardening efforts? Okay, so ants are not going to attract other insect pests. Ants harass attack, and kill other insect pests, with an exception. I only know of one real exception here, where ants kind of tolerate uh, other insects, and that's some will basically do what they call milk aphids. They basically mess with aphids to the point where the aphids give up sugar to avoid being ant chow. And they basically use aphids... The way we use cows, man, it's kind of crazy, and that's about it. But that aphid would be there if the ant was using it or not. So the ant doesn't bring in pests. Black ants. Hmm. I don't know what these are. And fire ants are red and kind of a black button. Sometimes people say they're black, and they're not really black. They're red. If they're fire ants, in my opinion, if there's any way to make them go away, and we'll talk about how to do that in a moment, they need to go if they are actually anything other than a fire ant, odds are they're not going to cause very much trouble and they may be actually a benefit to the garden. Because ants aerate soil, they dig tunnels, plants, you know, it's, it's long-term, it's probably beneficial. I can't guarantee this. Um, all ants can sting, as far as I know, and I've been stung by ants other than fire ants, we had an ant in Florida when I was growing up. It was, could we called bull ants? I don't even know if it's the right name, but they had like a smaller body than a big ass head, and they were way bigger than a fire ant. The total size of the body was like, oh god, they were four or five times the size of like the big soldier fire ants. They were huge and they had big jaws, and if that bit you, it freaking hurt. That said, I mean, I only know that because I got like bit by one once. Like you know, you stick your hand kind of like a bee, and otherwise they just kind of did their thing. When I was in Panama, we had hundreds of species of ants that never seem to cause any trouble at all. We had leaf cutter ants, and you could literally see these paths, you know, about two inches wide, going through fields where these ants were constantly bringing leaves back, and they, they farmed the leaves. So I think most ants, in general, are not much of a problem. So I would say, like, do you have a problem? Because even fire ants, I'm going to tell you what my problem with fire ants is, they bite. If they didn't bite, I wouldn't give two shits about them. And they, they amass in such numbers that if you try to leave them alone in one of your garden beds, it is only a matter of time before you're picking peppers or pulling weeds and your hands are covered in them and they bite the living crap out of you. So, so to me, they have to go. Other ants, it depends. Getting rid of them. If you have fire ant mounds in your yard around the outskirts of your raised beds near trees bushes shrubs vines lawn all you need to use to get rid of them is about one tablespoon of orange oil per gallon of water and drench the mound heavily and if they're still there in two days do it again the orange oil gets on their exoskeletons and melts them and once the queen melts the colony's gone okay It works really good. There's a product called Antifuego, if you can find it. And it's made up of liquid molasses, compost tea, and orange oil. The molasses and the compost tea help actually improve the soil after the death of the ants. But in the end, the the thing that does the murdering, and we call this murder juice around my house, and Dorothy says I have to double murder them sometimes or whatever, um, is the orange oil. The other two will do nothing, and the orange oil, absent the other two, will still kill the ants. This is the problem. When you're growing annuals, and you hit them with this orange oil, like in a confined bed, it it usually won't kill them, but it can generally knock them back and weaken them. So your peppers, your tomatoes, your beans, etc. And if you do that, at kind of a critical time when like heat stress is beginning or whatever, or there's an insect pest, like you're just weakening the plant when it's already susceptible to disease or insect pressure or heat or cold or whatever. So I, I generally don't like to use it in a garden bed or in especially like a wicking bed or something like that where it's really, really contained because it's, it it also just can't dissipate. Like once it's done kind of dissipate off into the soil. If you try it, what I would use is a smaller amount, maybe half a teaspoon, half a tablespoon to the gallon, and not use the whole, like, put a little bit on it, see if they go away, put a little bit more, see if they go away. That's one way you could do it. What I'm about to say is going to go against everything I want to believe in, but there's a time to put your ideology in your back po- pocket. You can kill them using poison, and you can do it in a fairly controlled way. And this is what I've come up with after years and years of dealing with this and trying to get rid of them. And I I generally do this in midsummer when my plants are big and healthy and beautiful and producing, and then, boom, there's a fire ant nest in a wicking bed. Amdro, and specifically the Amdro, that's the fire ant bait that comes in pellet form that they eat, they feed to their young, and they feed to their queen. And it destroys the colony by striking at the root. I will not do what this stuff is meant to be used like, which is where they put it in like a spreader, like you spread grass seed with, you spread it all over your property, and you control your fire ants that way. I think that is, I don't want it on my property. I don't want to say anything horrible about it, because people do what what they're, where they are in their walk toward taking care of nature, and I remember when I would have used it that way without a second thought before I knew what I know now. So I don't want to say anything bad about it, other than I just, I wouldn't do it. What I'll do is take a like a soda bottle or a water bottle or something like that, and put a couple tablespoons in it. And near, not right in, because if you put something right in an ant's bed, they generally won't eat it. I don't know if it's some sort of you know intrinsic intelligence that if somebody puts it in the bed, it's probably not good. So you put it near the bed, near the I'm sorry, near the mound in the bed. And you're going to have to also consider dogs and cats and things like that in this. With my wicking beds they are lifted up, I don't worry about the dogs getting them. So I would be concerned about doing this and maybe have to come up with something else if it was on a ground level and I had pets that might mess with it. Because you don't want a dog eating this. But you only put a small amount in the bottle. And maybe, you know, take your finger and dip it in some honey and put some honey around the... uh the entrance of the bottle for that initial attraction. And what will happen is those ants will find it. And as you know, it's almost impossible to keep ants out of something. Like once they know something's there, they want. And what they'll do is they'll go in the bottle and they'll take it back into their, to their mound and they'll kill themselves eventually. And when they kill themselves, you seal the bottle up and either save it for reuse or dispose of it. And I haven't seen anything go in one of those bottles Other than fire ants. Now, the other side of that is I've only had to do this a few times. But when I've ended up with major infestations in my wicking beds, you know, and you try not to. And after you get bit enough times, you're like, you know what? You bitches got to go. And it's the only thing i found that works that doesn't nuke the plants when they're in their prime. Or when they're in a transitional stage is even more likely to nuke them. So... Um, I have heard boiling water works. I've heard pasta water works. I've, I've never tried it. What I've been told is if you boil noodles and you let the water cool and you pour that water into their mound, it kills them. This reeks of an old wife's tale to I me. Mean, I've heard, you know, you feed them rice and they explode or whatever. Like, none of that works. None of that works. The orange oil works, it absolutely works. The long-term thing and I've moved more and more toward this and it has worked and I have far less issues with it now than before within garden beds and raised beds and 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 everything is beneficial nematodes beneficial nematodes and up the biological activity that they, they they will actually beneficial nematodes will feed on on the ants and their young and their eggs and they're too small for the ants to attack they're, it's, it's like it's like a form of, like, micro-warfare against them. And so then they go somewhere else, right? And that's either a place where they don't bother you or a place you can use murder juice on them. Anyway, that's that's the best I can do for you on that one. Anybody else has got any ideas on ant control, I'd like to know. Um, I also got this email from Jerry. Jerry says, uh, notice about halfway down the page, $3 billion is spent trying to make people confident in the vaccine. This is from whitehouse.gov. I'll put a link in the show notes today. Um... They uh, they put in ten billion dollar investment to expand access to COVID nineteen vaccine. So the problem is people just can't get the vaccine. They can't figure out how to do it. So Biden wants to spend ten billion bucks. Yeah, full thirty percent of the ten billion dollars that they're using to. And let me just real quick, I'll read you the the uh, the the selling point, the the headline from whitehouse.gov. dot um, gov fact sheet. Biden administration announces historic. 10 billion dollar investment to expand access to COVID-19 vaccines and build vaccine confidence in the hardest hit and highest risk communities. Yeah. Build confidence. 30, I'm sorry, 3 billion dollars. Billion with a B. 3 billion dollars of money they stole from the public is being used to spread propaganda to the public that their experimental gene therapy they call a vaccine is really safe. Highly untested, it is a gene therapy. I don't care what you say. I have proof that it's a gene therapy because the people that make it said it's a gene therapy when they filed their paperwork with the SEC. Right? It, to me, this is actually though. People get upset over numbers that sound big, but are minuscule in comparison to the real problem. What was? What's the cost of this? This asinine behavior that we've engaged in for a year now. What's the cost of that? Trillions of dollars. First of all, they printed trillions of dollars we don't have. We have to pay for that shit. It's not free money, guys. You know, people with families and all maybe last year got as much as five or six thousand or seven thousand bucks. But if your cost of living goes up by that much and stays up by that much long after the money's gone, you didn't get anything for free. They stole from you yet again, sleight of hand. We have lost trillions of dollars. We have lost for many people a year of their lives, and for some people, the most one of the most productive years of their lives it should have been. People that were finishing up college, people that had just gotten out of college, people that were looking for their first job, people that were advancing in their career that lost a job. Like we have literally had trillions of dollars stolen from us, and now they're, they're 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 taking what's left, the crumbs off the table to convince you to do something to yourself that you don't need to do and you never did. This is not fixing our problems. It's not. We have countless reports of people fully vaccinated, still getting the virus and still dying from the disease, and they still tell you you can spread the disease. And then you're supposed to risk your personal safety to make somebody else feel good. And they're willing to spend $3 billion of the money they stole from you for a marketing campaign to get you to use something that if it worked and if it was safe, you wouldn't need to spend the $3 billion to get people to use it. Anyway, I'm not going to go any deeper on that. Just, you know, you can read the article if you want. I'll put a, sh- uh, or the, uh, the propaganda bullshit from the White House if you want. I'll put a link in the show notes today. I'm back to this when people say, well, why won't you get the vaccination? Because my risk from the virus is less than my risk from the vaccine. It's a very simple form of calculation. It is a very simple form of risk assessment. And I defy most people, not all people, but most people to run that risk assessment yourself and see if you don't come to the same conclusion. If you're fully frickin' informed and stop believing bullshit propaganda that's being spit, spit out at you using your own money to buy your own, to buy influence against you. Basically, stealing from you to convince you that you're wrong. Uh, Sorry, guys. Again, risk assessment. I'm done. This next one comes from Wade. It's pretty simple, so I'm going to just read it and uh, give you a couple thoughts on it, and we'll go on to our next one after that. Um, He says, Jack, I present an alternative method for fuel storage. Instead of many cans in rotation and trips to the gas station and drips from the new and improved nozzles, call your local ag service and order a farm tank. For years, I did the rotating can method that you have discussed many times on the podcast. About a year ago, I called our local ag service to inquire about a farm tank and was shocked. They leased me a 540-gallon tank for $0. New tank, new electric pump. The only requirement was I buy gas from them. There were two options. One, a contract to purchase a certain number of gallons a year. You can save money here if you know the amount you need. I didn't. Two, buy at market prices. Well, great. I do that already. And their prices are very close to the pump price. Sold. They come top off the tank every month and bill me. They even offered to do an initial fill in stages over the first few months so I didn't have to buy 540 gallons in the first month. Fortunately, it was rate right when gas prices were low, so I told them to fill it the first month, and they delivered a price of about $1.60 a gallon. They also have diesel this way. Pros. I have four to 500 gallons on hand at all times in constant rotation. Two, I never go to a gas station again. You know the stupid people rule. I do. I hate people in crowds. Uh, three, me and my wife can leave home with a full tank anytime we want. So convenient. We have our own gas station. Four, my gas cans sit empty now and are only used if I need to transport gas, except maybe two-cycle mixed fuel. 5 no gas storage inside my buildings or house. 6 I can really extend my self sufficiency. How long can I run that EU 2000 on 500 gallons of gas? I'll give you an answer to that. A long freaking time. 7 way easier to fill up the mowers, tractors, etc. Here's photos of my new tank. Okay, I'm doing this. I don't know exactly what kind of a deal I'll be able to get here with my suppliers or whatever, but this is like this is one of those things like if you have the space you should probably do it. He did say some cons. There is a cash investment. Uh, I guess that's just the fuel up front because it's the same money long term if they're not charging for the tank. And wife's acceptability of having a fuel tank sitting around. Pro tip, if you have to run electrical to the pump, here's how I did it. It's very easy to steal gas from my, so it's it's very hard to steal gas from my tank. I tapped power from inside the garage ...at an outlet. Inside the garage, I put a 120-volt timer like you see on hot tubs or heat lamps... ...before the cable exits the garage. Run cable in a conduit all the way to the pump. To use, turn the timer on 10 minutes... Back the car, mower, generator, et cetera, out of the garage. Pump some gas. Drive away. A few minutes later, the pump power turns off. There's literally no way to leave the pump powered on for more than 60 minutes, the length of the timer. As always, thanks for all you and Dorothy do. Looking forward to the fall workshop this year. Dude, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Um, we had a great time with Wade last year. And please bring that awesome car of yours, you know, because uh, Val needs some company, you know, just saying. Anyway, um... That's that's awesome. That's awesome. And I know my wife's gonna have no issues with that whatsoever. I love the power hack. Right? And I, I it's 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 beautiful because you can't forget. If you go try to use it and you didn't turn the timer on, well you'll figure that out when no gas comes out. But I know mean if I didn't use that, then the power will go on forever and I won't remember to turn it off. So I think that's a great idea. All I'm trying to figure out now is where the best place to put my tank is. Um And for those that maybe have people that don't really like the look of the tank, there's always ways to make things look less offensive. But this doesn't look bad. It's a white tank with a gas pump on top of it. This is flipping awesome. This is flipping awesome. What a great idea. What a great idea. You're using a supply chain that's already there you're basically buying in bulk. I don't know that I'd want it filled up every month. So when I talk to whoever around here would do this for me, I'm going to talk to them about maybe filling it up every 60 days. And I know what you guys are thinking, man, there's no such thing, as too much. I think they might resent me as a customer. I don't think you guys understand how little gasoline we use anymore. Uh, I bought my car, right, uh, last year, right about this time. It was like April or May that I bought Val, my, my Dodge Challenger. I don't have 3,000 miles on it yet. My wife uses the Subaru almost every day, but God, I guess she's putting on 50 miles a day on a, on a day where she goes somewhere instead of just to pick the kids up and back at the most. So we don't go through a lot of fuel, but what a great idea. And I've got a buddy of mine that is kind of scheming to buy the next-door house, and a man between the two of us, what a great system. I, Wade, thank you for that. that is, and I, I guarantee you, this is going to be one of those things that like a shitload of this audience are going to check into and do. If it's doable, as doable for you as it was for him, I, I, I guarantee you, you're probably going to do it. Thank you, Wade, so much for that. Uh, next, I had an email from somebody, and I lost the email. Oh, no, here it is, Keith. Keith says, do you ever have any thoughts of returning to the trail... In particular, the Appalachian Trail that you did when you were younger, do you think it would help your perspective as it did back in the day? I realize you have a lot to keep you at home, but wouldn't it be great to feel the freedom of the open country again? Have a great day, Keith. No. No. But it's not the concept, it's the execution. So, I don't know that right now, at this point in my life, I'd be willing to shut down TSP... For a really long period of time. I mean, like I'm, I'm fixing to go away for a couple weeks as it is. Um, but basically, if I did it for longer, and I wanted the perspective that the hike gave me, and like I said, I mean, it's it's hard to really understand this. I think if you haven't gone through it, I am a procedure person at heart. Um, I definitely would be what you would call on the autism spectrum. Uh, with a condition known as they now they just call it autism spectrum disorder, but you know back years and years ago it was referred to as Asperger's and it's where you're high functioning and intelligent, et cetera but there's certain things off that autism spectrum like not wanting your to be interrupted, your routine, procedure, et cetera. And for even the you know there were some things I didn't like about being in the military and all, but what I loved was, Order, procedure, control. Like, and so I lived that way for, you know, a number of years. And to the point where even when you went to a place like the PX or the commissary or whatever, like even the civilian spouses and all, like they run those things like a military operation. Like, you don't just have a line blocking people's ability to go through when you have a line at a register. Like, the line backs up to a certain point. And then, you know, there's enough room for people to go through, and then you, your line begins and goes down an, an, an aisle. You don't block that cross aisle in the front. That's just one example. And, and you know, I mean, like, when I got out of the military, little shit like that had me ready to be, like, set off. I mean, literally, like, what the hell's wrong with you people? And I realized, like, there's nothing wrong with them. They're living normal lives, you're used to this order and this procedure and this control. And the other thing was being around people who knew me from like high school and the way they reacted to the difference in me. Well, there was, and this was right before I went and did this. I'm like, I got to go do something. So we were sitting around at this, we call them stripping holes. They are stripping holes, but they're basically like old quarries and they're full of water, like a pond or a lake. So we were sitting around one of these things that we had, you know, grown up swimming in and hanging out at and, and what have you and drinking beer and hiding from the cops and whatever. And it was there with a few of my buddies and a few other people that were kind of like from outside the group but that coalesced while I was gone. And we're just kind of sitting there drinking beer and whatever. And the the talk got to the point where like I don't want to listen. There was no talk of mission. There was no Coherence to it. It was just blathering. Now, by then, I'd caught myself on this stuff, and I knew that it wasn't right for me to, to feel that way. That, like, this was my problem, not theirs. So, my solution was I grabbed, like, a couple beers out of the six pack holder. I didn't even go to where, like, you, I couldn't be seen. I went, like, 50, 60 yards away. There was a big boulder I used to sit on when I was a kid. I went and sat on that boulder by myself for all of 25 minutes. Just far enough that I couldn't hear the conversation. Just far enough that it was quiet and I could watch the water lap and the moonlight on it and the stars and just be alone. When I came back, there was an obvious energy vibe of like, what's up? Like, nobody says nothing. But then later, you know, it gets back to you or you hear people talking when they don't think and Like, well, what's wrong with Jack? Like, what was he doing last night? And I'm like, Holy shit, if I can't if I can't walk away like that, then I got to go away. So I took this walk. I walked from about Central Pennsylvania up into the White Mountain areas of New Hampshire. I ended up spending a, like a week up there at a place called North Conway at a little hotel. And then I I came here to Texas and I went with my life. And it gave me a reboot. And all I wanted during that time was to be away, and I heard about hiking like that and people doing it and people some people went all the way from Georgia all the way to maine and i looked at the time of the year and i looked at my plans and i had plans to come to texas and 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 roommate with a guy that i had served with and like i didn't have time to do that and the by the time i would have made the whole hike it would have been way too cold um so it was like okay i'm gonna do this partial thing and when i started i didn't even know where i was gonna end I didn't even know how far I was going to get for all I knew I was going to hike. Like it was basically, I made a plan with my old man. And when I figure out my shit, I'll contact you and you come pick me up. He's like, I ain't coming the minute you call. I'm like, that's fine. I mean like a week two, whatever, I'll wherever I am, I'll be okay. I had him forward, you know, some stuff to me and things like that at different checkpoints. And I just hiked until I went, I'm done now. If I wanted that kind of a respite today, I don't think I would do it in a constant walking state. I'm not restless anymore. I know what I'm about now, and I know what I love. And as much as I love hunting and the outdoors and all, the thing that is my greatest love of the outdoors is fishing. And I would probably find some place either on the coast or with some mountain stream or something like that, some little ramshackle cabin, and I would just stay there. And I would just be in the place until the place was in me. That's what I would do for this type of escape now. And and the reason I answered that question is it was a very sincere question from Keith. And he may be seeking something like this for himself. A lot of times when we ask people, would you do this again, we're really saying, "Is is this right for me? I don't know what's right for anybody. But I know if you have something that you feel you should do like that in your life while you can, go do it. While I wouldn't spend my time that way again, I am so grateful that I did. It's not I wouldn't do it again because I regret it. It's I wouldn't do it again because I'm at a different place in my life. And there's different things that I would do if I took that amount of time to myself. Now, I love hiking. I would definitely want to hike. But you know what I like now? Now that I have the means, I like showers. I like to get into a shower, turn the hot ass water on and have it melt all the dirt and grime off me. I don't like living for a week on the trail before I can take a half ass shower anymore. And I don't have anything, I don't think it's bad. I just, I don't want to do it anymore. I like a fireplace. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> simple, man. I don't need a Lamborghini, right? But I like a fireplace. I like a roof over my head when it rains. If it's really hot out, I like an air conditioner. If it's really cold out, I like a heater. I know that's not what like the, the survivalist is supposed to say, but hey, I'm about resilient lifestyles. And that's, that's where I'm at today. I, if I could find myself a little shack on a beach somewhere and, uh, you know, where it's not crowded with super shitloads of people and, 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 and spend a few weeks, a few months, Living on whiting, ceviche, and, and 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 clams and crabs, yeah, yeah, that would be uh, that would be what I would do today for that reboot, and that's what I'm about to do. I mean, that's the other thing to be with family and everything, you know. And there's more people there than I'd prefer, but that's what I'm about to do. I'm about to be gone for a couple of weeks, guys, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I would I would do what I'm going to do, but just maybe in a little more primitive state. That's about it. Now, here's the email that I lost. Um, but I'll, I I could summarize it and I don't know where the hell it went, but it was basically, do I ever think that guns and firearms accessories will cycle through the market where we have shortages and then, you know, things correct. And like, this has been going on a long time now and I'm going to expand it to ammo and components. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's multiple issues here. I mean, first of all, I can tell you, I just got several more emails from people that within their companies, and they're all very different industries, that they have absolute shortages of supply. Uh, here's one is different from, like the last one I gave you was more of like a, a metal fabrication and construction entity. Today I just got this from somebody who I don't know how much of their personal or company information they want let out, but they deal with hardware. And not hardware like Home Depot, hardware like hinges, doorknobs, and stuff like that. And this is what he said to me. He said, you already know this, but supply chain issues are everywhere in my industry. We deal with about a 100 vendors, and just about everyone is behind weeks and months on inventory. Delays getting containers through customs, metal shortages, work shortages. We're also starting to get price increase notices one by one, 5 to 10%, most to take effect over the summer. And, again, I won't say this person's name or anything because I don't know that they – and he's somewhat known to the community, so I don't know uh, that they want any of this information out. Um, That's in, like, door hinges and doorknobs and stuff like that, locks. Firearms isn't immune to this. We have – it's like an acute situation within the firearms industry, but then you have general overall supply shortages, i a lot of the projections I've, I've had people very much so trust me and send me internal corporate communications some from very high level some kind of mid-level etc and it's everywhere and it's everything and the general consensus is that generalized shortage will rectify itself going into early 2022 i don't know that that's true I don't know. Really I trust it. I do think it will be better by then because one way or another, markets adapt, right? Markets are going to market. When I look at firearms, you have like a double whammy. In fact, a triple whammy. First of all, people just started buying the shit out of ammo, guns, accessories before Biden, like even during Trump. And I, but I'm going to say something about that in a second, and then you get Biden in and they start talking about banning shit and then everybody really starts buying when there's already a shortage there's been an ammo shortage and more to the point a component shortage for quite a while somebody was saying yesterday in the telegram chat you know basically stop trying to buy online and stop doing business in cities go out to your rural towns and your your gun shops and your department stores and stuff there and you can still buy ammo no problem and i said you know you're right I was up in Sherman not so long ago, and Sherman's a fairly decent-sized town, but it's nothing like Dallas or Fort Worth or whatever. And I went into a a particular gun shop, and they had ammo. Like, it wasn't even hard. Like, stuff that's really hard to get online, like, it's almost impossible to get, like, 38 special, which is stupid. Like, that should be easy. And they had some, and it wasn't wasn't, like they had a huge selection like it used to be, but it was anything you really wanted, you could have just walked in and bought off the shelf. So there is some of that. Where I've seen the biggest shortage, guys, is components, and specifically primers. Powder, you can get. Uh, cartridge casings, you can get. Bullets, you can get. Primers. And primers are the one that are, you know, they're not reusable. Like, when you use brass, you resize it, you reload it. Like, you can get a lot of loads out of one bit of brass, especially if you're not doing max loads. And you're, you know, good with your reloading procedures. Bullets, you can cast. If nothing else, you can get lead in a mold in a, a pot. And you can cast, you know, sure, it's not nozzle or partitions or whatever, but that's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's still, especially for target practice and whatever. And, you know, load them down a little bit, throw a gas check on a Very, very inexpensive way to reload is casting your own pills. But primers. Jeez. I mean, everybody has not just is sold out, has been sold out. And I think it's a combination of things. I think the government's buying a lot of this shit up and I don't know if it's intentional to create a shortage. And if we have it, they don't or, you know, i don't want to put my tin hat on or anything, but planning for insurrection or whatever, who the hell knows. Um, but manufacturers, the ammo manufacturers, I think are making the ammo as fast as they can. It's going somewhere. But if there's a competition now for not just the ammo, but for the components themselves, and man, I don't know. I just don't know. I will tell you this, though. This is, this is the one thing that gives me hope that someday there might be normalcy again. During the Obama years, gun shows were insane. They were insane. You couldn't walk down the aisles between the tables without bumping into people. It was like being at a rock show to go to a gun show. And there was excitement and buzz, and people were buying, and people were making deals, and like people were trading. And I mean, it was off the charts active. There were some shortages, nowhere near like now, though. I went to a gun show with a good friend of mine here. In, it would have been right around the first of the year. It might have been kind of in that interim. It probably was in the interim between Christmas and New Year's because I'm off. Every year I take that time off. And I think it was like, you know, the 28th of December or something like the 30th, somewhere in that range, like not quite New Year's. And it was right after Trump got elected. It was almost like a library. There were tons of people, vendors, and tons of guns laying out. But you could throw a rock down the aisles without hitting somebody if you could throw worth a damn. And even with places where you'd get like a little crowd of people looking at something or whatever, like that excitement, that urgency, wasn't there. So maybe if we get, I don't know, some major shift in government, and then some of these supply chain issues rectify. However, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. And we're kind of in a place where we're feeding the beast. Because... I have plenty of everything, right? I'm not short on anything. But the thing that if I see it, I will buy it right now is primers. And there's plenty of people like me that it's everything. It's cases, it's ammo, it's magazines, it's guns, it's everything. Like, that's going on like crazy right now. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. (laughs) They know that, and it has to give them pause. I don't care how evil these people are, when you see that this many Americans are taking this shit seriously and they're armed, it has to give these oligarchs, these technocrats, these politicians, these bureaucrats, it has to give them pause. They have to be thinking, holy shit. Because I said this in in one of my presentations this weekend. If they think some dude with face paint and horns sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk Talking about, you know, sunshine and moonbeams is what an insurrection looks like. While they cowered behind tables and chairs in the Capitol. That's what our politicians did. They cowered while basically a bunch of, there was some violence, but overall it was a bunch of freaking goofery going on. God help them if there ever is a true insurrection. You know, they called it an armed insurrection. Man, y'all have no idea. And the, the the whole point of part of, not the whole point of the whole thing, but the part of the Second Amendment is that an armed population are governed through consent of the governed. And the disarmed population is governed with the authority of the tyrant. And you can say whatever you want. I mean, Biden just said some stupid shit about like, you know, your AR-15 won't stand up to an F-16 or something like that. Some stupid shit. Like that tells you the mentality of these scum. But all I can think of when I hear shit like that is Vietnam. A people who refuse to be governed, who are armed, shall not be governed beyond their tolerance. And they have to be seeing that. So... I'm not saying run out and buy everything you can get. I am saying take some comfort in the fact that somebody's doing it. And it's also one of those points where you sit back and go, man, I'm glad I listened to my own advice. Because I have not sweated this at all, but I'll have to say this. I have not been to the range in a long time. I'm not throwing good ammo downrange at this point. I'm relying mostly on airsoft for training and I haven't done a show on Airsoft in a long time, maybe I need to do it again. I recommend you do as well. Muscle memory, etc., it's all the same. It's all the same. No, it's not exactly the same when you're discharging a gas blowback 1911 versus, you know, a 1911 dropping 230 grain pills downrange. It's not the same in recoil. It's not the same in... Fe- but the the drawing, the removal of a safety, the firing, the return, all of it. Like, we need to be using this method of training more and more and more because I would rather a person train a couple times a week using airsoft than once a quarter using real ammo because that's all they can afford to do and they're worried about their supply. So, anyway, with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. I want to remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that we do, one of the things you can do is your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. If you go to tspaz.com, before you start your online shopping, you will help us out no matter what you eventually buy. And today's item of the day, our Velcro brand, one-wrap cable tie. Since we went went quite... Since we went kind of long today, I will not go through all of the reasons you should buy this item. I will say you should read my write-up. I give you three badass ways to use them as fishing hacks, and as I just explained to you, I love fishing, so I've Put some real thought into this. all of those methods are proven they're a great tool for managing the cables and wires behind your desk or your TV or stuff like that, which is what they 're meant for there 's a lot of other really great things you can do with them, and they are about twelve bucks for a hundred units. You can keep your fishing rods from being broken using these how? Read the write-up. The th- these can tell you when a fish is taking your line and keep you from getting bird's nest and backlash. How? Read the write-up. Check it out. And remember, if you were on our Telegram group or channel, either one, you would have known about these already. And these aren't going to sell out. But a lot of times, some of my deals do sell out, and this is a way to know about them before you know they hit the the general population, so to say, and sell out. Because that it ha- the TSB effect is real on Amazon, guys. It really is. It happens. Uh, With that, let's go ahead and wrap up with our song of the day today. It is by Bob Seger, and the song is Understanding. And this song kind of fits in with my discussion about I would fish today versus hike. Um, In some ways, it's a love song. In some ways, it's a song about maturity, and I'm coming at it from the maturity angle today. Um, As we grow, the way we understand and interact with our world changes. And we shift. And we have a tendency, I think, to refer to this as wisdom. And I think there is some wisdom that comes with age. But I think that wisdom mostly manifests itself in figuring out what makes us happy. And hopefully along that journey, developing the courage to do those things. With that's been Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
0: Yesterday, I didn't have a clue. I stood alone not knowing where to turn Now suddenly I look around and Everything looks new I don't know why, but I think I'm starting to learn Call it understanding, understanding, a willingness to grow. I'm finally understanding. There's so much I can know. Until the day you came along, I used to just get lost. Mm-hmm. You got me understand it's You've really helped me see I finally understand it's It's meant so much to me You've got me understand, understand. you've given me some pride Stay